All right, good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Um, as Pastor Dave mentioned, uh, my name is Jared Julian. Um, I've had the privilege of growing up here at this church my whole life, and I'm just so thankful to be able to, to work here full-time. I can't believe I get to do that, uh, especially growing up in this church. I know what teachers went through with me. I know what people went through. So the fact that I get to be here full-time and, and do this tonight is amazing. I'm just so thankful. So uh, let me just get a feel for the crowd a little bit. Who was, raise your hand, if you were hoping for more snow the last few days. Can you raise your hand? Who is hoping for more snow? Okay, good. So there's a few of you. Usually there's two sides to this, and it's not even close. There's no middle ground with snow. It's like either you are really happy there's snow, and you're just ready to get after it and sled, and then the other people are just like, no, get me to somewhere warmer, right? So anyway, um, my title tonight is kind of a strange one. Um, it's called Human People. Um, human people. I know that sounds weird, but let me explain. Um, are you a human person? Would you call yourself a human person? What do I mean by that? Are you a people person? I would be curious to ask if we went through this whole crowd, and we're not going to do this, by the way, I think it could cause some division. If we went through the whole crowd and had a raise of hand of who thought they were a people person, I think it would be interesting to see who actually thought they were a people person, and then watch everyone else look around and say, um... I mean, maybe, right? Because we might think we are, but then other people that know us well are going to look at us and be like, uh, sure. I mean, I guess they could claim they're a people person, but um, I want to get into a little bit of human behavior tonight. Not really, but just for a little bit. Um, human behavior is a funny thing. We are funny people. And um, what I want to do tonight is I want to challenge you this year as we go into the year and as we go along with our daily lives I want to challenge everybody to be more of a human person. I want to challenge all of us. I've been very challenged by these passages I've been reading to take my interactions with unsaved people in the world more seriously. And how can I have more interactions this year with people in the world that are unsaved that need the gospel? So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. But before we get there, um, like I said, there's two very different sides of human beings, are there not? We have people, people. If someone's a people person, that's, that's it, right? But the people who are not, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with them, but there's a big difference there, okay? And some of us think we are a people person, but then sometimes if we really looked at it, like, are we, you know? So let me just give you a couple scenarios. Let me run a few scenarios by you. Let's, let's see if we can do a little test of, of what kind of person you are, okay? You need a few groceries at the grocery store, okay? Here's our scenario. You got to go to the grocery store, and we're talking, let's say, three things. It's taco night. You're going to get some cilantro. We're doing lime, and you're going to get some sour cream. Okay, great. We go to the grocery store, get the stuff. You're heading towards the checkout, right? You're walking towards. How many options are there now? How many options? Two options of what you can now do. Here's your options. On the left side over here, we have a smiling person standing behind this checkout. And what you have to do is you put your things on the belt. It goes through. They say, okay, would you like to donate to the, you know, they, they say the things, right? You talk to them and you go on your way. Okay. To the people, people of the room, they're like, yeah, what's wrong with that? That sounds great. The person's very friendly, right? What's wrong with that? That sounds like a great experience. To the not as much people, we're going to call them not as much people, people, right? They look over, and what else? What, what's the other option? 
there is some nice looking checkouts over there with nobody attending it. I mean, those things are empty. You can grab your three things, scan them, and be out the door. Didn't have to talk to a single person. Didn't have to talk, unless what? Unless, unless you mess it up. Now, for the people who are not, a, if you're not a people person, what is your worst nightmare at a self-checkout? You, you scan something just wrong. You misscan something. You accidentally place it in, on the left side. Now the light's going off. What does that mean? What does that mean? Someone's coming. You got to deal with a person. And to a non-people person, it's like, oh. Now we got to talk to the attendant. And they come over with their magic card and they swipe it. I don't even know what the card does. It, it seems to work, right? So there is very, very clearly two different people in the world. There's a lot of, there's, it's a wide spectrum. There's people in between. But um, I want to talk about some of the differences. I want to talk about how that plays out in our year. So you could take any scenario. You take the grocery store. You take a bank ATM. Some of us love to go inside. Some of us like to go around, right? You're going to go to a store. You're going to go shopping. Some of us would love the idea of an attendant coming up and saying, can I help you find us eyes? And then some people, we don't want to talk to anybody, right? We just want to go there and do our thing. So why are we talking about this? Why are we even here? Um, Here's the thing. Can you guys answer a question for me? Do you think Satan, do you think the enemy can use just about every method in the world, including some of our personality traits against us? Do you think he can do that if he wanted to? Yes, we know, of course he can. Of course he can, okay? And he's really, really good at getting us as Christians to say, well, it's just my personality. It's just kind of, he wants us to be comfortable, that's what, that's what the enemy gets us to do is he likes when we, are, when we are really, really comfortable. Okay, here's the thing. Here's what I want to get at tonight. Most Christians, if we really looked around, most Christians are fine in this place. They are fine to be in the place of comfortability. I'm not going to reach out to someone and give them the gospel. I'm not, they're not going to go out of their way. They're going to stay in this spot. We all do this. I, I've done this. And this is why this has spoken to me so much. We, we are okay in that spot. And we're going to just stay in our shell. And we're just going to go about our lives. Right? Here's the deal. If, if the enemy can get us distracted with our daily lives. We are more distracted than ever. I did some research on this. And all the research says that as people, as a society, we are the most distracted and busy we have ever been. Right? And think about it. Social media, there's the new, there's, there's how many things can you think of to keep us busy? Everyone has jobs, but there is endless things that can keep us busy, right? And so if the enemy can get us to be more distracted every year, every single year, he gets us just a little more distracted. We're looking at our phone. We're looking at the news. We're worried about the world, whatever it is. If he can get us to be more and more and more distracted, our chances and our opportunities of meeting a soul and interacting with them and giving them the gospel, it plummets, right? If he can do that to us, which he is every year, then our opportunities to give the gospel absolutely plummet. So this year, as we go into a new year, we, are, we have a goal to, to meet the most souls and to give the gospel the most out of any year of our lives. I think that should be our goal, right? If we're all being honest, that's what the Bible says. 
And that's, that's our goal. Can you guys put up on the screen Mark 16, 15? And here's what I want you to see. We all know this verse. Almost every Christian in the world probably has heard this verse or knows this verse. This is called the Great Commission. There's a few different um, verses of this, but I like this one tonight. Um, I want you, I'm going to read this first, how most Christians would love to hear this verse and how, if we're being honest, all of us would love to hear this verse. Here's our Great Commission. This is called the Great Commission because it's basically, as Christians, it's our, it's our mission. If we could boil down our mission here on this earth as saved Christians, as believers, if we could boil that down, this is what we're supposed to be doing. If we want to have a goal this year, this is our goal. Okay, Mark 16, 15, I'll, I'll read it as is first. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Does that sound comfortable to you? Does that sound super comfortable? It doesn't. So what do we usually do? We would love if that verse said, go ye into all the world and do whatever it takes to stay comfortable in your life, to stay in your zone and to not ruffle too many feathers. Wouldn't it be nice if it said that? No pressure in life, no obligation. We could leave it right there. It'd be so nice, wouldn't it? But we know if we let the devil win in this category, our production for Christ will just go down and down and down. So would you please tonight, as we go through a couple passages, would you please just honestly ask yourself this question? Um, would you ask yourself the question of, is there a world where God can transform my life from being someone who runs away from spiritual interactions with people and, and runs and turns from opportunities to give the gospel? Is there a world where God can turn someone like me and someone like you into someone who actually seeks those opportunities out? Where, where our life is formed, we're actually seeking those opportunities out. And I think he absolutely can. I think God can absolutely do that with all of our lives this year if we're willing. So how can I become a better human person? How can I become a better person that is, that is ready to give the gospel at all times and that is ready to have a spiritual interaction with somebody at all times? And how do I reach the most people for Christ I ever have before this year? How do we do that? Well, you guys can turn to John chapter four, if you please. My goal for tonight is as I was thinking through this, I'm like, well, how do we, how do, we do this? How do we become better human people? How do, we come, how do we become people that are more ready to give the gospel? And I could not, I've been reading with my talk time guy. Um, we've been in the New Testament. We've been in the gospels lately. And we've been in just looking at all the ways that Jesus in the gospels um, talked to people and how he, he interacted with people. And when you think about the fact that the God of the universe is on earth interacting with human beings and giving us the time of day, it's amazing. But I want you to see, we're going to just look at three passages tonight. They're very short. This is going to be really light, really easy. I want you to look at these three passages tonight, and I want you to see how Jesus interacted with people, okay? There's a million things we could learn from the Gospels. There's a million things we could learn from Jesus's life. But here's what I'm proposing to you tonight. If we can take these three lessons from Jesus' life, from looking at Jesus' interactions with people in the Gospels, if we will take these three, at least I think that our spiritual interactions with people and our chances to give the gospel will go up this year. That's what I'm hoping tonight. Okay, so we are in John chapter four, 
And my first point tonight, my first thing I want to take away from Jesus's life and how he interacted was number one, Jesus was intentional. Jesus was intentional. Um, oftentimes when sharing the gospel, we as Christians like to do the opposite. We like to do what's comfortable, which is to sit back, live our lives, and hope that somebody comes into it. I do this, I do this all the time, and I have to catch myself. We don't like to be intentional about giving the gospel. We like people to come to us, don't we? We like it to just happen. But Jesus didn't operate this way. That's not how Jesus was. And so I want to look at this story in John, and you guys have no doubt all heard this story. This is uh, John 4. We're going to start in verse 3. Um, this is the story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. If you've been a Christian for a while, you have no doubt heard this story. You've no doubt heard the different um, details of this story, most likely. But I could not not tell this story for, for this point. I couldn't do it because it's just so perfect when we see Jesus's intentionality with this, okay? So I want to just give you a tiny bit of background so you know where we're at. Um, Jesus, at the time, was in uh, Judea. He's in the southern part of Israel. He's in Judea. And he was going to go up to the northern part, and he was going to go up to the city of Galilee, okay, which is in northern Israel. Now, to get from Judea up to Galilee, it's a straight shot up, but the quickest route to get there is to go right through Samaria, okay? That's the fastest route. Now, why is this a big deal? It's a big deal because at the time, Jews and Samaritans did not get along at all. Not at all. Um, when the Assyrian armies came into the north and they took Jews captive from the northern kingdom, they, um, what ended up, the people that ended up coming back and replacing the Jews, they were not Jews. And so then Jews in the north ended up intermarrying and they, they ended up with terrible practices and they went against the law because of this. Jews hated the Samaritans. They did not get along. And although they had reason to, they, that was wrong. It was wrong. And so I want you to see Jesus, not, he doesn't operate this way. And Jesus said, I refuse to, I refuse to, to hate these people. And, and they need to hear the gospel too. And so what we see here is this amazing story of Jesus. And he needs to head to Galilee. And so instead of doing what most Jews did in going around Samaria, most Jews would go around. He said, no, because he had to be somewhere. He had to meet a woman at the well. And their conversation that comes after that is one of the coolest conversations in the Bible. It's the longest conversation between Jesus and anyone that we see in the Bible. The longest conversation, and it's with a woman who is a sinner um, she is an immoral woman. The Bible talks about her having five husbands. She is an immoral woman, and Jesus has the longest conversation with her than anyone else. So let's get into this story really quick. We'll read through it, and then uh, we'll take some things from it. So let's start in verse 3, John chapter 4. And he left Judea. So Jesus is going to leave Judea, and he departed again unto Galilee. So Jesus is leaving Judea, and he's going to go up to Galilee. But what does verse 4 say? I want you to see his intentionality. Verse 4 says, and he must needs go through Samaria. It basically says Jesus needed to go through Samaria. He needed to go from Judea to Galilee. But he says, I got to go through Samaria. I told you earlier why that was a big deal. It was dangerous to go through Samaria. It was 
Um, it was not what they did. But Jesus said, I am going to go through Samaria. Okay, so of all the places to go, why did he go there? Let's keep reading. Let's go to verse 6. Jesus is making his way there, and it says, Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, he's been walking a while, he sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. This is what we would think of as the twelfth hour, so it would be the hottest part of the day. So imagine Jesus is walking in the desert, hottest part of the day. It's cool to me how they bring in Jesus, how it brings in his humanity here. Jesus was tired. He was weary. I think it's amazing that God can use our physical, even problems and physical downfalls to bring the gospel to people. Um, if, we will, if we're willing to be intentional and seek people to give the gospel to, God will, God will allow us to do that. And so here's what happens next. Jesus comes to this well and he sits down, okay? But Jesus had a plan. Jesus had a mission that day. He sits down in that well and now he's just waiting. He's waiting there. And all of a sudden in verse seven, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Okay, and Jesus says unto her, what does he say? Jesus is sitting there. This woman comes up. By the way, it would have been very easy for Jesus to just let her come up. If it was anyone else, she could have walked right by, right? How many times do we go somewhere in our day and we let people walk right by? We end up in a conversation with somebody and we don't even bring Jesus up. This could have happened, but Jesus said no. So, what happens next is Jesus says to this woman the best opening line he could possibly say. He says, give me to drink. He says, give me to drink. Now, why was this such a big deal? It was a big deal. And it even sounds rude there for a second, like give me to drink, but it actually wasn't. It was an honor back then for a woman to be able to serve him. And, and especially a Samaritan woman, for a Jewish man to ask a Samaritan woman, would you please give me a drink? I don't have anything to drink with. Would you please give me a drink? That struck her. That really struck her. And that was the only thing that he needed to say. Why did he pick these words? Why did he choose to do this? Jesus said this because it was the only thing that he could say that was going to elevate her in that moment. Jesus decided, I'm going to be intentional with where I go. I'm going to be intentional with what I say. And I'm going to elevate this woman by asking her for a drink. So that's what Jesus does. He did something that nobody else was willing to do. And so we see Jesus intentional. He goes to this place at this time, and then he says these words um, in, in the perfect way that he needed to. Let's jump to verse 9. We'll finish this story. So he says, give me to drink. This woman's so confused. Why would this Jewish man be asking? Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how is it that thou being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria. For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, um, you would have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. So Jesus basically says, if you knew who I was, if you knew who it was that was asking you for a drink, you would be asking me, for living water. So we have this whole awesome conversation where this woman is focused only on the physical of the world. She's focused on water. And Jesus is trying to show her he's not talking about earthly water at all. He's talking about a whole different kind of water. He's talking about living water. He's trying to give her the gospel. Okay. 
Let's go to verse 11. I'm sorry, let's go to, um, yeah, let's go to verse 11. And she says, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep, from whence then hast thou that living water? She goes, um, this well is deep, and you don't have anything to draw with. So where do you think you're going to get this water? And then she says in verse 12, are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself and his children and his cattle? Are you better than him? You think your water is better than this well? Jesus answered and said unto her, remember, he's trying to show her the gospel. He's trying to show her living water. He says, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. This woman was still confused a little bit. She was still confused, but she realized what was going on. But my point is, she got it. She got it. After Jesus, Jesus had to bring out a few more sins in her life to show her that he was, he was who he said he was. But then she got it. Later in verse 39, it talks about her running. And many people of that city were saved that day. It said many people were saved that day. Why? All because Jesus Christ the God of the universe, who created you and me, who created everything. He, he could do whatever he wants. He could have been wherever he wanted in the world that day. But he said, I'm going to be at this well, at this time of day with this woman. Jesus was intentional. He was going to be there. Aren't you glad that he's intentional with us? We have to be intentional with unsaved people in the world. We have to be intentional and if there is someone in our life that we know about that we can reach, then let's be there at that time to talk to them. If, if there's something we can say to them that will elevate them, we have to elevate them first. We have to show them that we love them, and then let's be there for them. Jesus was intentional. My challenge to you is, what's your Samaria? Where's the place that you need to be this year to talk to the people to give them the gospel that need it this year? What's that place for you? I don't know who it is. It could be your neighbor. It could be coworker. What's that place for you? What's your Samaria? I encourage you to be there. Our second story tonight is going to be in Luke chapter 8. In Luke chapter 8, um, I want us to see that Jesus valued every interaction really highly. Jesus highly valued every interaction he had with people. Do we value all of our interactions with people in the world that we come across? Do we give them all high value? One thing that can really easily happen in our lives, especially as we get busier and as there's more things introduced into our lives, is we get moving so fast and we get so busy that our conversations with people in the world start to lose their value. We start to say, well, there's just something better I got to do than that conversation. It's just not worth my time to stop for that one. That one's just not worth it. I got something to do. And, and our interactions with people lose their value. And um, you feel like, we feel like we have a good excuse because of that. Well, yeah, we're busy. And we feel like we have a good excuse. But to be honest, most of the time, are we really busy? Are we really that busy? Or have we just not valued that conversation or that interaction or that relationship enough? I think that's something we need to challenge ourselves with. Our value of souls goes down. Well, turn with me to Luke chapter 8. This is one of the coolest stories you can read. I mean, it's, it's amazing. 
in Luke chapter 8, Jesus has had about the busiest day you can ever imagine. Think of your busiest day. I mean, Jesus has had one of the busiest days. We read just in the last couple of pages, we read Jesus um, causing the, the Sea of Galilee. He's on the, on the boat with the disciples and he causes, he, he calms the storm. He gets off the boat and he's met with a demonic, a demon-possessed man who he ends up, um, he ends up putting the demons out of him. And he goes from that man and he's coming and he gets back from that and he's faced with a whole crowd of people waiting for him to do the next miracle, the whole crowd of people waiting for him to do the next thing and, and keep preaching, right? Jesus must be tired. He's had a long day. Just as he gets to the crowd of people from all of this, um, one, of the, one of the leaders of the synagogues come up and said, my daughter is dying. My daughter is dying. Could you please come save her? So Jesus, after a long day, he says, yes, I'll do this. But this isn't the story I want to show you. The story I want to show you is what happened on the way, on the way to go do this, on the way to go heal this daughter. I want to show you what happens. You see, we tend to lose value of our interactions, but remember, Jesus didn't do this. And so what we see is on the way, there's a woman that needed him. I'll read the story really quick. So we're going to start in verse 43. So we're in Luke chapter 8, verse 43. And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. There's a woman who's had a serious health issue for 12 years. She spent all her money on physicians and none of them can help. This woman came behind Jesus. All she wanted to do was touch his garment. She thought, if I could just touch his garment, I'll be healed. Now, remember, Jesus knows this because he knows everything. Jesus knows this woman is there. And so in verse 44, she came behind him and touched the border of his garment and immediately her issue of blood was healed. But here's what I want you to see. Jesus was already on his way to heal some girl who was dying. Here's what I want you to see, how much Jesus valued this interaction with this woman. He knew he, she was healed, right? She touched his garment. Jesus knew she was healed. But what does he do? He could have kept walking, but he stops. Jesus stops and he says, who touched me? When everybody denied, when everybody denied, Peter and they that were with him said, master, uh, the multitude is all around us and you're asking who touched you? Everybody touched you. Who didn't touch you, right? And Jesus said, somebody hath touched me for I perceive, perceive that virtue has gone out of me. In verse 47, and when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Jesus looks at her and he says, daughter, calls her daughter. He says, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. I have to keep going fast out of this, but I you guys have to see how much Jesus valued this woman and how much he valued this interaction. He could have kept walking, but instead he stops and he says, this woman is worth my time. Even though I'm already on the way to heal a dying girl, this woman is worth my time. I'm gonna turn around and I am going to talk to her and make sure she knows Christ. We have to value all of our interactions with people very high. It doesn't matter who they are, and it doesn't matter how they've treated us. Their interaction cannot lose value. We have to, we have to hold them all under high value. Well, we got to move on to our last one. And this is going to be in um, Matthew chapter 9. 
Matthew chapter 9. Now, in Matthew chapter 9, this is our shortest one. I just want you to see these verses. Uh, We're going to start in verse 35. I want you to see something. Point number one was Jesus was intentional. Point number two was Jesus highly valued every interaction. And number three, I want you to see that Jesus demonstrated compassion. He demonstrated compassion. Now, again, I want to portray to you that Jesus has had some of the longest days you can imagine. And he's been through a lot. And over in Matthew, I want you to see as he's doing these miracles and as he's doing these things, there's something that Jesus had for people that was above seeing physical needs. He saw something above physical needs and he had compassion for something else. I want you to see that. So let's look at Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. And it says this, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of Um, of the kingdom and healing sickness and every disease among the people. Verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with what? He was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion on them. I want you to see why. It's important that we have compassion for people. It's very important that we have compassion for their physical needs, but I want you to see what Jesus saw in these people. He's healing. He's doing all these miracles but there was something more. He had compassion on them. Why? Because they fainted. There's the physical. They fainted, so he saw that first. But then they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jesus looks across and he sees all these people. And he says, he aches because their physical needs, but what ached him the most was that they were walking around as sheep having no shepherd. They didn't know Christ. So in verse 37, we see his outlook. Verse 37 says, Then saith he unto his disciples, he turns to his disciples, and he said, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Now, all of us can do better at seeing people's physical needs and responding. All of us can do better. But I believe what ached Jesus the most out of this was that he cared for their souls. And we have to be the same way. We have to be the same way. He said, the harvest is booming. He looked across all these people and he said, the harvest is booming. There's endless amounts of people here to talk to. And we almost have, we don't have enough people for them. But the the main issue that he was worried about was that there was not enough laborers to get to them all. That was what he was the most worried about. So as we go through this year, we have to look at the world like Jesus did. We have to have compassion for the physical, but most importantly, we have to have compassion on people's souls. That has to be what drives us. And most importantly, we have to demonstrate our compassion. It's not enough just to have it. We have to demonstrate it to people so that they know. We have to show it to them in some way. So do we have compassion for the unsaved souls around us? We have to ask ourselves that. Jesus had compassion for them, and then he demonstrated it when he went on the cross. So you say, okay, what if it's not my personality to talk to someone about Jesus? What if it's just not me? I'm not chit-chatty. It's just not my personality to, to, to witness to someone. Okay, that's fine. What my, my goal is absolutely not to do tonight, my goal is absolutely not to put you down if your personality is not chit-chatty and you're going to go talk to someone. Because to be honest with you, um, I'm not very much like that either. What I want to convey to you tonight is that it doesn't matter who you are and it does not matter what your personality is. 
Jesus can use every single one of us. We can all get better this year sharing the gospel, okay? But here's why. Why is it worth all the time and effort? It's going to take some sacrifice to do this. Why is it worth all the time and effort and all the, all the sacrifice to do this? It's worth it because we have what people need. It's worth it because no one else in these people's life has what they need. What they truly need is hope and everlasting life, but we have it. We have what they need. So no matter who we are, it doesn't matter how chatty we are, if we can, if we can say, Lord, I'm ready this year, use me to get to the most people, he can do that. He can do that. For unsaved people in the world, it's not going to appear in the sky. It's not going to come in a dream with them. We're going to have to bring it to them. We're going to have to, with our lives and with our mouths, we're going to have to bring it to them and show it to them for them to see. Well, you might be here tonight and you're wondering all this talk about desperately trying to get the news to people, get this amazing news to people in the world. It sounds so urgent, right? And it is. You're saying, what's so urgent? What are you trying to get to people? Well, here's the thing. We believe that the Bible and Jesus Christ offer the only hope in this world. Nobody has hope right now. You all would agree, I'm sure it's a dark world. It's, there's not much light in the world. And Jesus says that the only thing that we can bring to people to fix that is light. What is light? Well, here's what light is. We are all sinners. We, we all by ourselves, we could never do good enough to get to heaven. And Jesus said, because you cannot be good enough to get to heaven, and I want to see you in heaven so bad, and I want you in my family so bad, I'm going to send my son. Jesus, God sent his son Jesus to earth, and he died on the cross, and he paid for every bad thing you and I have ever done, and every bad thing that you and I will ever do in the future. He paid for it. He died on that cross as a payment for all the things that you and I have done. And he says, if you will simply believe what I did for you, if you will believe that my son Jesus paid for what you did, he said, if you will just believe, you will be in heaven someday. That is true hope. That is true hope. That's what we're so desperately trying to get to people. And you say, okay, well, what if I sin later? I don't like renewing. You guys like renewing things? I hate renewals when they come in. Man, it's, it is so annoying when you have to renew things. God says, this is not one of those things you have to renew. He says, if you place your trust and you believe that Jesus paid for your sins and paid for all the things that you have done and that you will ever do. If you believe that he can get you to heaven and he paid for that sin on the cross, he says, you will be in heaven someday. It's not something you have to renew and it's not something you ever have to deal with and think about again. From this point on, you're in the family of God. You are a Christian and now you just get to live your life for him. And now we're gonna just spread to as many people as we can.